The Great Law of Peace was one put together by six indigenous nations in the 1500s. It is said to be a major influence of the First Amendment and the Constitution of the United States. Carson Lafferty will be interviewing Rose Ebaugh and discussing the Six Nations' influences on the nation's laws, as well as his, as his own feelings being a young Native American youth. This is Carson Lafferty with the KUNM Youth Radio Project, based out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I'm here with Rose Ebaugh, who is from the Diné Nation, otherwise known as the Navajo Nation. Rose has a BS in organizational learning and instructional technology and has had a special interest in how Native Americans influence American culture and history. Today, we'll be talking about how some Native American nations had developed a complex, centralized government of democracy long before the Europeans arrived. In particular, the Iroquois nation had the great law of peace and wampum which guided that nation on how to treat each other and everyone else that they came in contact with. Benjamin Franklin was greatly influenced by the Iroquois nation and took aspects of their law for the creation of the U.S. Constitution. Now, Rose, what was the great law of peace in Wampum of the Iroquois nation? Okay, um, the great law of peace was developed by the five great nations. It was the Mohawk nations, the Haudenosaunee, the Seneca, the Cayugas, and the Oneidas. And eventually the Tuscarora came in, so that made it six nations. And what was going on is this Native American or indigenous nation had um, already developed a complex determination of laws and checks and balances between the, all the nations, so that would prevent war between all of the nations. They had like three levels of government. One was executive, the other was like the presidential uh, type of um, department, and that had to do with the chief and the clan mothers. And also, they had, you had the um, two sides, like Congress has like the Senate and has the House of Representatives. They had clan brothers sit on one side of the... Um, Longhouse, while the other clan brothers sat on another, and they um, determined with the consensus of, of a decision that was to be made. This provided peace between all the nations, and it was a, a society that maintained between the responsibilities of the women and the responsibilities of the men, of the chiefs and faith keepers, and all the people in between have a special job to do and kept this in balance. And in time, they kept their society peaceful societies, and they kept them more equal. That is derived from the great law of peace that um, five nations, the six nations, developed. Okay. Could you tell us some of the aspects of the great law of peace and wampum that the U.S. uses? They use the um, the levels of, like, say, the, like I said, the House of Representatives and Senators. They would determine what types of laws and what types of, of regulations to keep within their nations and within their communities. And it would be more or less with clan brothers. The older brothers would sit on one side, and they could probably more or less be the senators, and then the younger clan brothers would be mm -hmm. on the other side representing the House of Representatives. And, of course, the um, leader or the chief and the clan mother would be basically the type of, say, the executive portion, saying the president and vice president. And they use that to be able to um, balance the power and acquire consensus of what was right and wrong. Mm -hmm. The Great Law of Peace indicates that the women had their voice. They had 
a say in the government. They had a say in who were to be leaders because they were the mothers and they brought life into the communities, into their lives and into the earth. And that was left out of the Constitution. And, you know, women had their rights already. How do you think this impacts what was written as the First Amendment in our Constitution? Well, the First Amendment is a very important amendment because the nations, the Onondaga Nation, as well as the Haudenosaunee and other tribes always stated that we have a voice in our community because we have that right. We have an inherent right to voice what we feel should be right. But if, if it's not right, like say if you kill somebody, obviously that's not a right thing. And that would take yeah. the tribal government to determine that as well as a community. And that's like the freedom of speech and had their say. And also it has the um, determination of, you know, like, the religion, we have our spirituality, we have our right to our spirituality versus religion. Okay, that's it's really, really amazing to know that the origins of this nation was assimilated by the League of the Iroquois of the Native people. And thank you, Rose, for taking the time to stop by and be here with us. hat. <laughs> For me, there's this basis of mixed feelings that swirl inside me. Anger is one of them. Completely frustrated by the fact that when I really look hard into the base foundation of this nation's democracy, I realize it was all assimilated from the Great Law of Peace. The Great Law of Peace was created to provide equality and unity amongst its people. This law was written to prevent war amongst tribes and make sure no one has more power than any of the rest. What enrages me is to see how the origins of America's roots described in TV, magazines, and history books are of this ideal image of the white man making it on his own when he arrived here, giving this illusion of him withstanding the elements of nature, fighting off Native Americans who are described as uncivilized and savages. The birth of the white man's nation came at the repression and genocide of the indigenous people. In fact, it was these savages who helped these foreigners live off the land. In fact, it was these savages who inspired the founding fathers to assemble the Constitution of the United States based upon their system of government. In fact, it was these savages whose great law of peace carried aspects very similar to the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, believing that the individual has the birth-given right to freedom of belief, the right to be heard, and to have a voice in the community. As I examine my feeling of displeasure, I look past my own pain, and resiliently, I am filled with pride, the dignity to know that when I see Navajo veterans carrying the Navajo Nation and American flag and powwow ceremonies, I remember to be proud of my Navajo culture and always be appreciative of our First Amendment and many other amendment rights that we inherited from those upstanding indigenous men and women who fought to attain a sense of peace and freedom. I am proud to be a Native youth in this country. This is Carson Lafferty with KUNM Youth Radio Project in Albuquerque, New Mexico.